Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gap fest where a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought. Please destroy me, Jason Momoa. Please destroy me, Jason Momoa. Please destroy me, Jason Momoa. Is it like a, is that a spell? Tommy's version of clicking his heels three times Yes, exactly. There's no place like my butt, Jason Momoa. I want him to shove one hand up my butt and one hand down my throat and then wear me like a muff. Like a turn of the century Russian aristocrat. Who do you want to destroy you, Dennis? Oh my God, I'm dead. Okay. I I think John Hamm could destroy me. John Ew, Hamm could easily uh, destroy me. Oh, yes, so absolutely. Boring, I don't Dennis. have a whole bunch well, of creative ways to destroy me. I don't actually want to die, but <laughs> um, but John Hamm could absolutely destroy me. What about you, Joe? Uh, you destroy yourself. Uh, yes, correct. <laughs> I would like to wear myself like a muff. I have tried to fist myself before. No. Oh my god! What? Why? Yeah. I, it's not. My God. <laughs> Your jokes don't have punchlines. I don't know what they to do with punches in my butt. Oh, oh my God. Oh, that you, was you're gone. almost there. Do you, so close. I, oh I can't imagine God. you wanting someone to destroy you, but I can imagine you wanting to destroy someone. Oh. Can and have. Fully. <laughs> I am Tommy T. Bispico. I'm an indigenous American poet, screenwriter, still single and actively mingling, so some of you need to get on your works. And I'm a recovering cat person. Yeah. So I, I am a cat person, but I have lived with a cat for the last couple of months, and I'm ready for not to live with a cat. I do love them. I just, as you get older, you realize the responsibility, and the cat hair is everywhere. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. True. I'm Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and you guys, I'm femme for femme. Mm. Oh, that's cute. I like that look on you, Joe. I am Dennis Norris II, and I'm a reader and a writer, a lapsed feelist, and y'all, I stay ready for John Ham's ham. I do. Ew, I do. So boring. Honey yeah. baked, roasted, whatever. <laughs> I'm Fran. I am a writer. I'm an editor. I'm a Jafar son, but Cruella rising. Wow. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That. I, I love, love that, that look on you. Have you Thanks. ever been Cruella for Halloween? No, I have actually tried to plan it out before mm. and, and maybe like assembled a handful of my friends who would be my Dalmatian. <laughs> I, <laughs> Sign me up. I, uh, I do love this idea for you. <laughs> or Morticia. So do we, we talked about Morticia before. Oh, love Morticia. Everyone always yes. tags me in Morticia memes. And, I'm like, shocked. Having <laughs> Yes. Like never talked about Morticia before. I'm always like clocked. Okay. <laughs> thank you, thank oh, yeah. you. Um, but yeah, with the Cruella, with the Cruella drag, I would love to do it. But like, I would have to invest in a fur. You know what I mean? Mm. I see a lot of Cruella costumes. You're wearing like a shitty little fur, and I'm like, I want it. If I want a floor length 
like real fur. Like that's I gotta. That's drop. an investment. I gotta, gotta drop some cash. Yeah. I would like to be Ursula for Halloween, but I honestly just hate dressing up as anything. So <laughs> not gonna <Same>. happen. <laughs> you would be such a spirited Ursula. Though. Oh, poor would. unfortunate everything. Um, <laughs> Dennis, will you tell us what we have on the menu this evening for today's episode? We bring you another devilishly scintillating edition of Swipe Right, Swipe Left. We offer our sage or trash advice. Um, for our main discussion, we explore evil and malfeasance. And for dessert, we wade in the water. Yes. Mm. Wade in the water. <laughs> Ooh, Fran, you have such a nice voice. That wasn't me. That such was a nice Tommy. singing voice, Fran. <laughs> <laughs> Take me to the river. I'm feeling a little peckish today. I think we should start the top of the show the way any good top should, but a little tease our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our booshes, Fran is going to take us away. That's right. We're playing our classic game of swipe right, swipe left, wherein we swipe right and left on things. And today's episode is all about villains. Yeah. So it's only suitable for us to do a villains edition, a swipe right, swipe left. Mm. And, you know, I want us, when we play this game, I really want us to think about, you know, it as a real dating game. Like, like would oh. would you smash? Would you not? Mm-hmm. Would you smashing is different than dating. Okay. That- you know what, Joe? You don't have to make everything unfun. Okay? <laughs> like, truly, like, you can just turn your brain off for no, a that second. That doesn't sound right. That sounds very, very fun. Mm. Swipe right, swipe oh left, y'all. Thanos. Th- Thanos? Thanos. 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 I, I, I fell asleep during that movie. Wait, so. isn't, isn't he I, the one that can make you disappear? Yes, by oh, snapping his fingers. I would oh. I swipe right because I want to not be here anymore. Mm. Oh, that sounds oh. right. I mean, everyone thinks Thanos is a daddy. I mean, honestly, James Brolin is so fucking hot to me. Especially right. like, James Brolin was also Cable right. in the in um, Deadpool 2. Uh, and I got to oh. say, I would absolutely let uh, that purple ball chin uh, looking dude <laughs> to pound. Yes, no. absolutely. Exactly I, my type of. <laughs> I would swipe right on James Brolin, but I think left on Thanos. But I am a gift to the world. I don't need to disappear. Oh, that's oh, just oh. I don't know. Swipe right, swipe left. Voldemort. Oh, swipe Whoa. right, swipe okay. right. Okay. <laughs> I I actually find the Dark Lord to be incredibly sexy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's something about the fact that he does feel like a little bit of an older zaddy, and for good reason. He's obsessed <laughs> with the magical on wand. On like, with your type. He's fully white. on track. He's he's white. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I had to admit, actually, when I watched a marathon over Christmas, I was like, I was like, mm, Voldemort is kind of zaddy, mm. and I'm kind of here for it. When you say things like that, I always think about how our voices are the most similar on this podcast, <laughs> and how people and who most. listen to this always think that you we might be interchangeable and True. so sometimes dennis True. will say something and they'll be like love what you said fran and i'm like no, <laughs> no that was not Jen. me it was not me that is dennis if you are listening to this podcast please commit to memory the differences between our voice because i will not be held accountable <laughs> for to Voldemort. No, no one can be held accountable to what dennis says ever it's having horrifying. people on twitter be like fran i didn't know you liked colin powell <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that was me. Okay. Fully. I would swipe left on Voldemort because I need somebody who looks like they at least spent some time in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left. Voldemort is your type, old and busted. Yes! Yes! Come at me, daddy. Swipe right, swipe left. That big crab in Moana. <laughs> Did you <he> write that? <laughs> 
wrote this? <laughs> you wrote that, friend. I didn't. Us, uh, I, I, I don't remember the big crowd in Moana. I However, it sounds like Joe's type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love breaking past the hard exterior to get into the soft, the soft crab stringy meat. meat. Mm, oh, swipe God. right, swipe left. The Wicked Witch of the West. Also mm. Joe's type. <laughs> <laughs> fully, I'm pretty sure one of my fully. exes had played her in Wicked. I just it just sounds honestly oh, definitely could it sounds happen. Right to me. I have witch undertones. I have a, you I have do. a hooky nose, kind of. So maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe we could twincest a little yeah. bit. I would, I, Dennis, go I ahead. I would swipe right. Green is my favorite color, and uh-huh. really, she's just misunderstood. She's just misunderstood. I would swipe right. Swipe right, swipe left. The eye of Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> It's very good. I'm Joe, good. you also love giant I, holes. I love giant <laughs> that the the thing that the eye of Sauron sits on top of is very phallic. Mm. And sorry to recycle this joke, but one anal ring to rule them all. Yes. <laughs> I get what I mean. No, I swipe right. I, I swipe do too, right. because Sauron like sees everything and I do too. Right, right. Very and observant. And, and Tommy, you would also love it because there's no body. No body. So it's, it's like there, no you know, commitment. You, yeah, yeah. you just get to go to bed. And I it, like, oh, it there's nobody you, in my house. But there's no one in your house. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I think we've discussed this before, but swipe right, swipe left, Gaston. Oh. We definitely have talked about oh. this, right? Love a oh, barrel, barrel chest. chest. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. love mm-hmm. a barrel chest. For Total me, Roy Daddy. He's too much of a man. I agree. Too much of a I man. agree with you. Joe and I, you know, that's kind of where we 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 lock the types. only thing we agree upon. <laughs> we have a lot of intersection on our it on our true. types. TV. I don't think we've ever had an overlap in hookings up though. Uh, well, almost. Anyways, swipe right, swipe left, Captain Hook. Such a queen. Oh, I yes. know. Such a queen. Right. We love a fem I love the outfits. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The outfits. I mean, it's not a great fit for me fisting-wise. Okay. Mm. Because. <laughs> Actually, I, I would love to be disemboweled. You would try the hook. You would try the hook. rip my insides oh, out I with your it. hook. The hook yes. Yes. Got yes. it. Yes. I was yes. really pulling cool. out your entrails. I was wondering yes, exactly. who was going to be the first to bring up getting a hook in the butt. Within a fraction of a second. He might have different attachments, though. You know, he can take off the hook and put on a plug. It is fucking That's true. Can you imagine taking off the hook, putting on a Vibrating propulsive dildo. That is I'm sure that porn exists somewhere. If it doesn't, please make it. Please make it. Patent pending. Um also Captain Hook as played by Dustin Hoffman. He played him as a faggot. He is truly truly Also, I heard that like that suit was so hot that he had an air conditioning unit put inside of it. No, I want that for all my clothes. Or like a fan or something. That seems so gay to me. That I just love. Good. I love a man who loves lost boys. So I'm. I'm Dennis. I'm, I, I do. Dennis. I do. I do. Dennis. You didn't Catholic, have to say boys. I know that sounds like very Dennis in the Catholic Church. Oh, Dennis. <laughs> swipe right. Swipe left. <laughs> Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Also Joe's type. <laughs> I'm Googling it. I don't know this one. Google Oogie Boogie right so now. So disgusting because he, he unspools and he's made of insects. I, I feel like, Fran, you love, you love, you truly love Oogie Boogie. <laughs> like you that mean Oogie Spooky? No, this is different. No. Joe, like are you into it? Uh, Oogie Boogie. I, I, would, I would face fuck o- would, Oogie Boogie. Would smash. <laughs> I would face fuck him until the insects come out. Yes, that's perfect. Oh my God. Swipe right, swipe left, Darth Vader. 
Oh, definitely Swipe. Dennis's type. Swipe. Yeah, definitely sounds my like type. Joe. Dennis, <laughs> why can't sounds be breathing? Like yes. Because Swipe Dennis right. is our resident uh, daddy issues. Uh, yes. uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Dennis, I am your father. Um, see, l- I hate the fact that you are saying it, but I'm not going to pretend that my bussy isn't quaking right now. You don't know the power. And also a man whose face I cannot see who's completely clothed in cover. That's very hot to mm. me. I'm like, ooh, where's the dick going to come out of? Again, love that deep voice. Yes. The power of Stop the dark it. side Stop of the it. penis. Wow, Joe. Uh, <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left. Uh, kink, kink villain daddy. Bane. From oh, that's good. Also, another great ooh. iconic voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I just yes. I want him to talk to talk dirty to me. Like, yes. I would just uh, you know how they have these popper training videos where it's just like uh, a porn compilation, and then it gives you like instructions to to when to like take poppers and when to like touch your dick. Every I want that, but voiced by him. Mm. He's essentially mm. wearing. A full leather harness and a, and a gimp mask. Yes, you know what I mean? Mask. Like, yes, it's yes, yes, very yes. kinky. I've it never is. even thought about it that way. Yeah. Oh my God. Not, I want very him to hot. kill very. me until I'm dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This, these, like, these, 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 uh, murder fantasies we are, are getting trash. less and less creative. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to kill me till I'm dead. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left, Catwoman. Oh, well, as truly, played by Hoomst, uh, exactly as played by Anne Hathaway, as played by Bertha <laughs> Kitt, as played by <laughs> poor uh, Anne Hathaway. Pfeiffer. I know. Oh, she really the way tried so hard. I can't oh, wait nice. her, but I can't wait to see Zoe Kravitz. Oh, She's yes. gonna be the new Catwoman. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be amazing. I, I definitely Halle Berry, like, Dennis. Um, oh, I, oh love the Halle God. Berry version, but I, I don't think you can surpass. Um, Eartha Kitt's Catwoman. I'm oh. sorry. Did you see it's the movie? Canon. Yes. Oh. yes. Oh. Actually, the, mm-hmm. of the what? The TV show. The TV show. Eartha yes. was on the TV yes. show. Oh. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, my sister showed it to me when I was very young. I loved like, known Michelle her. Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer poured yes. into that oh, leather yes. outfit. Yes. She said they had to sew her into that costume. Oh yeah. yeah. She was amazing. Back in the old days, Jet Magazine used to 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 produce a weekly um, account of ev- literally every black person that appeared on television wow. that week because yeah. it was yeah. so infrequent. And I remember, I remember reading that. about Eartha Kitt's kind of like uh, like a uh, moment on TV and how like insane that was yeah. that a black woman was a villain and was playing this complex yeah. character and like a, a series that literally everyone watched wow. yeah and it was made for it was her she could do that per she she's iconic love oh. the ultimate villain thank you Eartha Kent yes. <laughs> cha-ching get out your coin purses benches it's time for penny for your thoughts what is penny for your thoughts Dennis Penny for Your Thoughts is our uproarious advice segment in which we four trash-ass hoes listen to your questions and we give you our terrible, terrible advice. We always suggest getting a fifth opinion. Yeah, yeah, truly. yeah. yeah please. Do not trust us at all. No, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> all right. This week, we are once again pulling our amazing questions from our tour. So many of y'all thoughts in those cities had great, great things that y'all wanted to know so we just have a wealth of trash to feed you first up quick and dirty i'm attracted to my boss what do i do Mm. So I fuck mean, him. So when I think of like, when just, I kidding, think just kidding, of like just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Office romances in general. I think that there is a lot. There's way too much stigma around it. In my opinion, I think there are a lot of ways wherein you can date someone at work. However, every company structure and team structure is extremely different, and that is a case by case basis. But like dating someone you work with is not like 
truly the be all end all of sin right. of sins. You know what I mean? I think we re- we see a lot of TV shows and movies where like <gasps> like you can't sleep with someone you work with. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's certain ways that office romances can work. However, your boss, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not really gonna work out for when, you. Yeah, so it's cute. not that you just work with, but you work for. Yeah, that's it's, gonna create some complications for and you. And I kind of am, I want to ask this person what is it about their boss, mm-hmm. right? And if you maybe do you have a pattern mm-hmm. of being attracted to people who hold power over you Ooh. and and if so, wow, uh, at me, ho. Are you are you maybe trying to are you maybe attracted to people who it's impossible for you to actually be with as wow. a way of avoiding intimacy? At perhaps? me, ho. Wow. So, wow. I know Christina Tucker is at home listening, screaming <laughs> at us to mention the morning show on Apple TV. <laughs> it is really good, though. No, it's not a good show. Okay, let's Those clarify. Those wigs are terrible. <laughs> it, is, it is a good show in that it, it is a bad show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Does that yeah. make sense? Yes. But yes, there's yes. there are a lot of kind of like it raises a lot of you know questions about the complications in office romance and specific to when your boss has power over you and the lines are blurred about mm-hmm. what yep. that kind of relationship could look like. So in the era of Me Too, you know, think twice about what it is you might be pursuing. And yep. also, That's if true. your boss pursues you. Mm, yep. That's when you really need to turn on all two, censors. I have yep. two things to say in addition. It actually is something that I learned in my 20s that it can be fun to be attracted to someone and leave it at that. Exactly. I mean, I lo- that means it's if I have a crush, have a crush on my boss, I'm showing up to work every day early. Oh, oh yeah. Tommy. Yeah. Tommy, yes. Tommy, Tommy the crushes are Tommy's doing a damn only good job. motivation. <laughs> yes, I'm going to be competent as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the first thing. And the second thing I'll say is that no job is for forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like not every crush has to be satiated immediately. You're allowed to stick something in the back pocket and be like, well, yeah. if, if two years time, yeah. this person's no longer my boss, they're single, I'm single, maybe, yeah. you know, it yeah, that could. Long con I love y'all. Yes. I have I have long conned a decade to get a dick before. It is just like that's stupid. It's <laughs> worth it's worthwhile, <laughs> and it's it's worth it in fun in the end. So you know, just like yeah. it, it, oh god, enjoy the crush. Oh my, I remember yeah. my cry, the one I had for like a year and a half before ever anything ended up happening, and it was just like ooh, I don't normally delay pleasure like that because I'm more of an instant gratification kind of a person. <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. But um, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the second yeah. you don't want that job anymore, you go burn, for it. Burn the burn barn down, for mama. <laughs> Seduce him. <laughs> All right, next up, how does one break habits, learn from strings of toxic and abusive relationships? Wow, at me. Uh, I'm now in a relationship with someone who is so amazing and emotionally stable, but the unfamiliarity is terrifying. Yikes. I, Help. Ooh, I've actually gone through that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, you're kind and respectful? How fucking dare you? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I do. I, yeah. I get that spin. I'm all, I'm always like, oh my gosh, like, like uh, this is not going to turn out well for me because yeah. clearly they're taking advantage. Right, 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 right. right which yeah. is like something that you need to let go of you know what yes. i mean it's easier said than done obviously and there's a lot of work that needs to be done internally in order for that to come to fruition but like ask yourself like why you distrust them and yeah. whether those reasons are valid and i also yeah. think bringing it out into the forefront like saying it to yourself yep. i'm mm-hmm. afraid of this because of past of things that people have done to right me up. in the past and you yeah. make that text yep. you know you take it out of the thing and then also yep. you know say that probably in front of a professional yes therapist right yeah Correct. just the i mean the, the just even in in saying in the question ask or writing this down mm-hmm. like that concretizes yeah. something yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, you know yep, you've yep, already yep. you've already you know got your foot in the door of the problem that's kind of nice. the, the other thing that you can keep in mind is that you know you are going to be afraid 
And yep. uh, therapy will help you with that. And as long as you are being afraid and being honest with your partner, but you're still doing it. Like yeah. you're yeah. doing it. You're in the relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not self-sabotaging. You're not throwing it away. You're not being please don't be toxic to the other person because mm. you're afraid, right? Ooh, don't right. then make the right. other person have a toxic experience because you've had toxic Stop experiences. Stop looking at me when you say that. <laughs> before. Um, so, you know, it's okay to be afraid. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to recognize that, like, how good it feels is scary. Mm-hmm. Just keep keep going, you know, and, and honestly, therapy. Yeah, and I think just to offer, like, a little bit of encouragement, I remember when I went through, like, I had a very quick transition from one very toxic relationship into another relationship that was not toxic. Um, and that was really like beautiful for a while. And like, if you can lean into those, those feelings and lean into the the wonderful things about this relationship that make it feel scary. Um, a lot of times quickly that can become addicting. Like I used to think maybe I was addicted to being in certain kinds of relationships where there was a lot of toxic energy, a lot of like certain kinds of abuse. But I found that the first time that I was in a great relationship, like I, I felt so happy and so light and so much freer that I became addicted to that feeling. And it really, for me, raised the standard after that mm. of of the people that I would even just, like, consider. Mm. Well put. Next up, how do I communicate to my partner that in order to eat their ass to the greatest mm. effect, I need them to wash, rinse, and repeat beforehand? Woo! You could just say it. I think you could just literally say it. just communicate. <laughs> yeah, I, just want, I would love to put my tongue in your butt, but I would like for you to wash the butt first. Right, right. Yeah. right. I love a, yeah. I love a clean washed butt. You could say that. Yeah, 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 you could yeah. also uh, suggest going taking a shower together. Right. right. Yes, and then you can manually. wash Although your I hate butt. that. I have to say, I hate someone in the shower trying to wash my butt before they eat it. Like. I got this, Mama. Like I know how to wash my not butt. All people got well, it. Not all people, people got, got it. it. I get that. I get that. I get that. But it, I think that for me, it would be much more embarrassing to have someone try to put their finger on my butt with some soap than just to be like to hey, tell me wash your butt. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the the subtext of this question is that this person's partner does not have a yeah, wash. Does not butt. have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Down. So yeah, I have a, I have yeah. a good friend who also um, when he knows. So you know the thing about eating butt is that uh, sometimes you want to eat butt after you've been out on the town. You might yeah, go to dinner. Some people dinner. like the dirty butt. Some That's people true. like the dirty. And there's different types of dirty butts, right? There's like a little bit of funk. There's sort of like day long funk. So my friend, if he knows that, like, uneasy. oh, I'm I'm out with Bay and we're gonna do a movie and dinner and we're gonna come home and like hook up before we have time to shower, he keeps a little soapy washcloth right mm. there by the bed. And so if he goes down and it's not quite as fresh as what he wants he has the tools to take care of that mm-hmm. right there and the, in I, place. I personally yeah. like will not want someone to eat my butt unless I'm like cleaner to yeah, wash yeah, 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 yeah. I mean? yeah. but like I mean all sex things communicate communicate yeah. communicate. communicate I've even like been I've even been making out with someone like who I was like hooking up with regularly and I was like can we stop and brush our teeth <laughs> yeah oh and then literally we went to the bathroom and we both brushed our teeth and then we came back yeah. because like you know the day wears on you and sometimes you have bad breath yeah, have yeah, fully yeah. done that before morning sex too it's like perfectly fine and i also for me like i'm not very comfortable having my butt eaten if i don't know that i feel very very clean i one time i one time had a partner actually be like you know i'm kind of into like a little funk yeah and i was like I'm sorry, I'm not. And he was fine with it. But I guess for me, the point is like there are strategies around what you can do too if you're like out for a while. Like I love wearing underwear that has 
some breathing room. Um, Moisture wicking underwear, mm, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Just to like, you know. I, the only thing fresh. I'll add about this question is that uh, there, there is a possibility that the question writer has some unreasonable expectations for cleanliness, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, um, sometimes, you know, different bodies smell differently and like, it's possible that you can maybe be a little bit more accepting of something that is not just like immediately fresh out of the shower. Right. That's true too. But if you have difficult, if you have difficulty asking the question, if you yep. have difficulty yep. bringing it up, just tell yourself there's, n- it's truly not as embarrassing as it feels. No, not at all. Never, it's ever, 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 ever. Yep. It's like ripping off a Band-Aid, mama. This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to mercuryinsurance.com today to get a quote. Hmm, it's time we got to the meat of our discussion, the thought process, spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And to sling the meat this week, it's me. Hi, Tommy T. Is it micro meat, Tommy? No, and today we're talking about (laughs) villains. I find villains way more interesting than the heroes most of the time. Because, like, He-Man is so boring, but Skeletor, my dude, like, that one slaps. (laughs) Um, And, like, miss me with Ariel, honestly, but I love me some Ursula. Um, I mean, their conflicts are usually way more interesting i'm talking about purple man and jessica jones i'm talking about catwoman come on and oh, like yeah billy eilish is the bad guy oh <laughs> billy you are not bringing billy eilish into this how and villains are so gay a lot of the times mm-hmm. but like real talk mm-hmm. if you're a member of a group of people that has been literally villainized by the government i'm talking indigenous people being called savage hordes that needed to either be put down or converted or penned in or whatever then you understand that the term villain uh is an oversimplification um i remember watching he-man when i was a child actually and there was an episode where someone was like why is skeletor evil and and he-man was like some people are just born evil and i was like like, uh, and my mother, Miss Jeannie, was quick to point <laughs> that one, to pull that one down. She'd be like, no, that's not actually how it works. Um, and I was thinking about how with now like people being labeled terrorists yeah. or rapists and murderers for literally just trying to immigrate or seek asylum in this country, mm-hmm. um, that this sort of very us versus them mentality, you have to question the motives of the people driving the narrative that certain people are quote unquote evil. Um, but bringing it back to the culture, making mm. it a little bit lighter Love. thoughts, who are some of your favorite villains and villain origin stories? Similar to you, Tommy, I grew up loving and being attracted to and being entranced by, like, the evil femme in truly any cultural object. So, like, I loved the evil queen in Snow White. I lived for Maleficent. Maleficent! Poison Ivy in the Tim Burton uh, rendition of Batman. Oh, Uma Thurman, 
go off. Uh, Meredith Blake in The Parent Trap. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. I, there was something about the wicked woman. There was something about the evil faggot, you know, that mm-hmm. I, I truly was, as a kid, intrinsically in Jafar as myself. Yes. 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 I don't know what it was, but, like, I do think that it is formative to the person I am today. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think a lot of people, Agreed. like, when there, were, there was that meme going around that was, like, uh, the four women that in pop culture that, like, made you who you are or whatever. And mine was, like, Poison Ivy and Meredith Blake and, like, all the evil ladies. Mm-hmm. It's just, and Cruella you know my girl that's mm. just like who i grew up with and it Absolutely. seems too that like those i mean the thing is like the whole like uh trajectory of like the evil witch or whatever was just like i like it came from like female independence and yeah. these and these you know these films these cultural objects like the way the way that uh, uh, Disney or powers that be kind of construct these narratives is that they really don't give queer people any into the narrative. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like yeah. the the prince is always this like boring kind of like you know object that like floats through. So you like can't and you you like want the prince, but you don't you don't want to be the prince. You know what I mean? And then the princess, you're like oh, I don't know if I'm a princess either. You know what I mean? But, I so, don't like, want to be rescued. Like what's going on? But the I villain want is to be rescued <laughs> so bad. But the villain yeah. is always a faggot. <laughs> 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 Always. And so, like, intrinsically, we as queer people, like, always see ourselves in those in those, in those those archetypes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and apart from sexuality, they're just faggots. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. faggots. I, all, all of the Disney villains are, are, like, queer, so that's, like, sort of very obvious and kind of ridiculous. But I remember the first time that I realized that, which was in college, and that was, like, wild to me as, as to the way in which we were being pathologized. But in terms of, like, favorite villains, I always loved, like, as a kid, like, I always loved you know, because I grew up, I spent so much time in church. Like I loved biblical villains, mm. so I I loved Eve first of all, who I felt like was kind of the original villain. Ooh, love um, that. I Lilith, loved Lil- Lilith, Lilith, absolute. Although I didn't know who I didn't learn who Lilith was until um, I think True Blood actually. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> but she's a but she was amazing and badass and just like a powerful woman. Who was Lilith? Um, the woman that God made before Eve. Right. Yes. Oh. Who then became Satan's wife. Yes. In some in some recounts of of the of the myth. And people there are other people that believe in that in, in like when they think about that biblical history that Lilith was the snake who came back yes. into the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. and was like, hey, Eve, yes. this whole thing you're doing, like, you don't actually have to do that. Mm, like, yeah. you don't have to, ex- you don't have to stay in the garden. You don't have to, like, be beholden to a man. You can take the apple and just enjoy a pleasure. Yeah, she's like, Ma, don't this apple look good? Right. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is literally, like, this is literally kind of the understanding that I was given though about about the garden of eden in the original story that it was almost that like eve but that it was a bad thing that like eve eve was the one who like saw first and had a greater understanding of the world and wanted more for herself and for her for her career and she tempted adam because she was an evil seductress and temptress and then he ate the apple and then it all it all went to shit like but that idea that it that there was female empowerment in evil was sort of very very um that was integral to my first understanding of evil, which I think is like really wild and really fucked up. But it always made me love Eve more. You're bringing something that I really want to talk about when it comes to like villainy, because like villainy as it pertains to morality and constructs mm. of morality in in movies or cultural objects, what have you, are more often than not like very fucked up. And I think that this is that's something that like a lot of these like the Maleficent origin story movies are trying to get at in this new yes. like Cruella like 
biopic that's going to come out. Wicked, cannot wait. the musical. Yes, like yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's like what these, that's kind of what a lot of these kind of villain origin stories are trying to dissect. Let's truly exclude Joker from this conversation because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not talking about but that. white men are just misunderstood. But, but, right. shut, it's harder than but, ever to be a white man. But, but my, <laughs> Tommy, that voice was really good, Tommy. But my point is, and to Dennis's point, that the eaves of the world, the what they're their quote unquote sin is is sin as decreed by men. Men. Sin as decreed by the patriarchy. Sin un- as decreed by like systems of power mm-hmm. that do not have women or mm-hmm. queer people in mind. Right. right. Literally the status quo, um, what we would think of as being centrism to in any sort of scenario, um, the power structure that plays to who's already in power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If the Bible was real and if Eve did not take the apple. Damn, we would have lived in a bad world. It would have been so boring. Y'all, Eve broke us free. Yes. I like have an interesting relationship to this convo because I I liked villains. Like I found them amusing growing up, but I didn't really identify with them at all. Well, I was you're kind of virtuous. Always a dirty and fucking tissues. Yeah, so I really boring. I loved <laughs> underdogs, but I didn't love villains. And so my sort of understanding of this, of course, because I'm I make everything less fun, is much more <laughs> Tommy, is much more um academic. And it I started understanding it when I started thinking about particularly the relationship between um, nationalism and narrative, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up in the Cold War in the 80s. I still have a lot of memories of the 80s and the Cold War when every villain in every movie was Was fucking Russian, Russian, right? And it was like, we have to beat them mm-hmm. you know it's like that big captain america superman mood right where mm-hmm. it's like the the goodness is representing us and we are being a constantly attacked and i i started to understand the ways in which that actually sets up perpetual war yes that sets extremism up extremism and violence but extremism that isn't named as such because it isn't that isn't is for the nation right? right so the oh god i'm so infuriating the relationship between the state and violence when violence is done by the state it's not named as violence mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. it's like protecting ourselves so i you know i wish i had had a better eye for that and a better eye for queerness and a better eye for real justice not like uh, us winning because that's not justice an eye for actual justice well it's like the 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 setting up and reifying the idea of good versus evil is what allows people to have proxy wars forever i fell asleep during your tangent (laughs) i'm sure it was a salient point it it wasn't it wasn't (laughs) um i also love what villainy has done for actresses in the sense Um, that sometimes they get yeah, M- much better meteor roles. I mean, I've seen I've seen Jada Pinkett in movies where she's been like the hero and she's been like the final girl of like a mm-hmm. scary movie. I've seen her being lots of stuff, but it wasn't until I don't know, like um Gotham when she played the villain Fish Mooney that she just like chewed every. You could tell mm-hmm. she was having the time of her life. Oh, if yes. you see like um Queen Latifah in the uh, uh, uh Little Mermaid live and she oh. sings Poor Unfortunate Souls, like she's just like yeah, every yeah, yeah. second living she's living. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, she loved it. And I think it's also done, sort of to that point, it's also done a lot for um, for actresses of color. I remember when I saw the movie Doubt, which was Viola Davis's first time that she was Oscar nominated. And of course, the real villain, theoretically, in the, in the movie is Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. But the whole... Um, the whole thing with Viola Davis's scene, and she has one scene in that movie, is that her son is the target of the suspicion of these nuns in terms of whether or not he's being molested by by the priest. And um, when this nun confronts her and is like, I think this is what's happening, she's basically like, 
more or less, if this is what needs to happen for my son to have an opportunity to get a great education and get us out of this life, then like, this is what needs to happen. And it's like incredibly villainous. And she sunk her teeth in it. And then later when she talks about her character, Annalise Keating, and how to get away with murder and how she's kind of a villain and kind of evil and really complex for a lot of women, it's just about getting to um, explore complexity and full humanity. And the fact that like, women are not necessarily inherently more virtuous than anyone else. Mm, mm. I think what's infuriating about, you know, not to turn this into like a movie, a movie podcast or whatever, but like, I'm thinking about like villains in pop culture and the Joker specifically when I think about (laughs) villainy and how like, you know, constructs of like entertainment are always like when a man gives a villain performance, they're like, Mm -hmm. Groundbreaking and how uh, Joaquin Phoenix being rewarded for, you know, the same thing that Heath Ledger, the exact same role that Heath yeah. Ledger was yeah. rewarded well, for. And, it's also- and like all these like villain performances being aggrandized. And then like when you have J-Lo sitting right there for Hustlers playing a complex, playing a complex villainous role, mm-hmm. you know, it just does not compute. And the men that play those villains are also total fucking dicks on set. And everyone is like, mm-hmm. well, they're just too method oh, right, acting, right, right. you know. Can you imagine so what like, Joaquin Phoenix was like on that set? Apparently yes. it was like a nightmare. And the same oh. thing with Heath Ledger. They, they like take it home, but it's like, oh, they're a perfect genius. And therefore they're allowed to act this way. But if these right. actresses did that, canceled right. so fast. It's infuriating. It's infuriating. Absolutely. What about like, like, so we're talking a lot about like character villains, but what about like real life villains, right? Mm. Like I feel like 2019 was the year where um, our culture became obsessed with real life villains. And I'm talking about um, Billy McFarlane from Fire Festival, Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos. Like Mm -hmm. these are like real life villains who have, who have like done these, who've created these huge scams that have like harmed real people in real time and real communities, sometimes very vulnerable communities. Mm -hmm. But we have, we've had this addiction to all of these stories this year. And sometimes when we create these like real life archetypes, as in the case of Harvey Weinstein, Mm -hmm. a lot of times when we're thinking about like, you know, the Me Too movement, we're thinking about real villainous people that have harmed, done harm. We kind of assume that anything less than a villain just gets to get away with it. Yeah. And there are like a lot, especially there are men who are accused with the Me Too movement that are like, I'm no Harvey Weinstein, so like, I'm, you know, it's fine if I just did that one thing, which is messed up, you know what I mean? Not every person has to be the villain level in order to not be a shitty person, of course. To have had taken advantage or to have abused their power. One of the things that was super interesting, I watched this documentary, uh, I think it's on Netflix, I don't know if it's a Netflix documentary, um, but it was super interesting. It started with um, a person who really leaned into his own villainy, Martin Shkreli, right? Pharma bro, bro, right. And this is the person who, like, first of all, was price gouging drugs, buying patents for drugs that were like $2 and hiking up the price to $2,000 for people who needed these medications to To be alive, you know? Uh, And then he was, like, doing crazy things like buying the uh, rap album that only one exists and it's just completely leaning in to his villainy but the the documentary does an amazing job like we were all opposed to that mm-hmm. but there was this whole company called Daraprim that is doing that as a business model right mm-hmm. so there's literally like a corporate infrastructure that doesn't have this performance of villainy Martin Scrooge is in jail they're still doing that shit mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's like mm-hmm. it's really easy to throw him 
to the piece. When evil has a face. Mm -hmm. When evil has a face. And when evil sort of leans into evil. And we get the performance of justice without Mm. actually changing anything at all. Mm. Not to take it there, but damn, like, we have a villain in public office. (laughs) Villains, multiple villains in public office. Not a fun one. Not a fun one. But but to your point, Joe, it is... A, a powerful thing, but at the same thing, like a little icky that it took a, a face. It yeah. took a villain to wake a huge conglomerate of yeah. people in this country up to racism, to misogyny, to capitalism, to all the evil things going on in this country. And even I include myself in that. You know what I mean? Like there are a lot of ways we're in. Like there are certain topics, certain subjects that you just truly do not have cognizance for until you have the encapsulation of evil just boiled all the way down to a single person. And continues to, I remember like on Michelle Obama's birthday, he was like, they were talking about like taking of fruits and vegetables out of school lunches. That was her, that was like one of her signature policies was was trying to get healthier food into schools. And on her birthday, they were like, no, we're going to take that shit away. And it's like how you are, you are the epitome of evil. Yeah, You are evil. evil. And, but then like, the thing is like what you were talking about like you but the thing is i think some people think like if you just remove him from office it goes away that's oh, right you yeah. know what i mean yeah, that that's like the biggest artifice. or like getting rid of martin scarelli oh exactly. then like price gouging doesn't happen or whatever right, and like right, there right, are right. ways in which like because like i be if harvey weinstein goes, goes to, to jail, jail. sexism mm-hmm. goes away yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean or, i do yeah. think it's and those things they, just to clarify, these these people should be should be punished. That's absolutely, and, the, and like the victims, you know, like that is that is amazing for the victims. That's something that is like life changing, life altering. They need that justice. Yeah. The only thing is, we need to view that as not the end, right? Exactly. Harvey Weinstein going to jail is a, I mean, it's really hard. I, you know, I call myself a prison abolitionist, right? I'm like, no one should be in jail. If anyone should be in jail, it's Harvey fucking Weinstein. Mm-hmm. That yeah. dude is horrible. But he ain't never gonna get the kind of treatment that like other of people not. get. No, that, no, no. Like like that random prisoners get for like having. Marijuana or whatever, and exactly. just putting in the system over and over and over again. He's going to get some kind of or, white collar. I mean, Absolutely. I hate to do this, but like in the case of like Felicity Huffman, you know um, what I mean? Like the discourse was all around Ooh. send her to jail, send her to jail, send yeah. her to jail. And it's like she did a lot of fucked up things. However, if we had any breadth of imagination, what kind of justice could be restored totally. in the case of Felicity Huffman that did mm-hmm. not have to be about jail? Right, right, you know right, what right, I mean? Right. Like I as fucked up as it that. is, there are there were kind of financial reparations to be had yes. that could have been yes. made, yes. and it would have been make. so much more creative and restorative mm-hmm. than sending her to jail. And also, thing- that like that the, then that fixes exactly. rich people buying their kids way into college. Right. Right. Punitive justice is all about performance and not actually changing the systems that create criminality in the first place, right? And so it's like, well, jailing Harvey Weinstein in our world as it exists today is necessary for the survivors of his decades of abuse. At the same time, that is the first step toward, you know, having like a a society that is free of sexism. It is not the last step. It is not like that is the thing that needs to change. Now, okay, everything is good now. No, it's like, this is Harvey Weinstein, and this is how abolitionists talk about criminality. Harvey Weinstein actually is not the exception. He is the rule, right? Right. Like Mm -hmm. sexism is rampant throughout culture and society. Men get away with that shit 
all the time in often somewhat smaller ways, like somewhat less blatant ways, but it is pervasive. Ooh, we were just on mm-hmm. tour and Alex was talk- having to deal, a producer Alex was having to Ugh. deal with a lot of the sound guys. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. And they mm. were just continually, if not, we had a few good people, but if, uh, some of them were just, they were rude. They were dismissive. Yeah. They were just like, yeah. or they tried to fuck with her, you yeah. know? And it's like, I remember yeah. like this, um, there's this band's leader, Kenny, and they had this zine come out when I was in high school that I found very formative and it was called Hey Sound Guy. Yeah. And it was about being like a very p- a powerful, famous uh, punk band, a female punk band, but having to submit to the sound guy every single night yeah, and having to make sure that mm. that person was felt okay and that you were yeah. sort of catering to him and then getting on stage and like being an icon for like young women. Right. And and to your point, Joe, like the 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 fix for all of this mm-hmm. is structural change. Yep. It goes yep. so yeah. much beyond the kind of like oogie boogie, like Scooby-Doo-esque, like, oh, take off your mask. You're the villain now. Go to jail. Right. You know what I mean? Like what kind yeah. of like actionables can we create? Or rather, what kind of like ways can we tell our, our listeners, the people that follow this podcast, like to rethink villainy or to rethink what a prison looks like? Yeah, I mean, I can I can just think of Angela Davis's talk that I saw maybe over a decade ago in New York. Exactly the exercise that we're doing with Harvey Weinstein. Uh, she was doing a pushback on a question that was like, "Yeah, but what about the worst people in society? The people who are serial rapists or murderers? Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't that we have to have some sort of prison uh, for those types of people who are dangerous for us?" And she was like, "Actually, no. Those are the best people to talk about why abolition is critical because that." In, in in America, in culture, we like to individualize crime. Like, mm. this person did this bad thing. She's like, no, violence is pervasive. Mm-hmm. Violence is cultural. We are taught that that is a way to access power from the time we are born. So those people, uh, you know, rape is pervasive. I know, like, most of the people I know have been raped. Like, that is just a fact. Mm-hmm. Gay men, women, straight men. Rape is pervasive, mm-hmm. right? And so a rapist is not an exception mm-hmm. to culture at large. So it's actually these cases mm-hmm. of the most extreme violence act mm-hmm. just as a lens to think about the way in which violence yeah. filters down in our lives in ways, you know, people often are raped and never talk about it, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. it's not super visible, but it is, it, it's there. Yeah. Um, I, I have a question for y'all who like are love villains, you know, because we like the first half of the show was like, Villains are awesome. And now it's like real life villains. Real yeah. life villains are are awful. How do you kind of put those two in your brain at the same time? I think it's just having a fully developed prefrontal cortex. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> do not recommend. Joe's trying to be like, gotcha, but it's like, it's a cartoon villain. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. we're good, Joseph. I'd like, yes. Uh, it, I, to, to be serious, though, in the, in the case of someone like Bane, who was inspiration for a mass shooter, you know, it does get complicated. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like, we do, ha- we do have cultural objects that 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 do uh perpetuate ideals of of evil yeah. that can permeate a culture absolutely i feel like i can get away with adoring a cartoon villain yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i do think that there you know these things actually don't have to do with each other um mm. so long as we're responsible with how we frame these characters yeah. mm-hmm. um uh, but yeah I, I i think that you know it's it's a matter of uh the the way we frame this conversation in in a very intentional way 
fantasy villains, real life villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always feel um, like, I mean, this is like a, a sort of small example, um, but since it got so big again last year, like as a former figure skater, I have very complicated feelings around Tanya Harding because she's been villainized mm. so intensely. Mm. And then of course, once I, Tanya came out um, and the story from her perspective was told, like she kind of had a renaissance and like everyone was all about her. I still have very complicated feelings about her at the end of the day, but that's one real life villain where it's like there's, there's villainy, but there's also um, underdog stories. And I just, it's a situation where I feel like I can see both sides. Another sort of like sport thing that I think is interesting in terms of um, having a sort of face for the evil, but then having a much larger conversation around the culture is the situation with USA Gymnastics and that doctor, Mm. the team doctor, Larry Nassar, who like sexually assaulted literally in the mid hundreds numbers of, of, of gymnasts and, and female athletes. And I've followed that story very closely for years because fun fact, before I was a figure skater, I was for exactly a year, a gymnast. So I became obsessed with it. To ice skating or a gymnast. Um, I always (laughs) bring it to ice skating or gymnast. But what's really, really interesting is like, obviously at this point, like his specific, trials are over he's in jail um but like usa gymnastics is literally in shambles mm. um in a lot of ways the united states olympic committee is not far behind because this is pretty much considered the greatest like sports sex scandal of of all time because of the number of victims that there were and there's still like more people are realizing that they're victims and coming out and like talking about it and becoming a part of that movement but it's just really interesting because they have had some some incredible growing pains in that organization around what they're doing to protect athletes and in the larger Olympic movement to protect athletes from, from coaches, other skating's having a few moments right now too with, with coaches and people Mm -hmm. that are getting in trouble for this. Um, But there are, there are segments of our population where I feel like people are trying to create structural change and trying to, to understand, better understand the culture around power and, and abuse and, um, and ways in which we can try and shift the culture so that these people are not like able to do these things well said Dana. in this dessert we celebrate Dwayne wade and his unwavering public support for his 12 year old daughter zaya wade in her transition we want to note however that this segment was recorded prior to zaya's coming out or any other official statement about her identity or name for that reason you'll hear us using they them pronouns instead of she her with one exception when I directly quote Dwayne Wade in reference to Zaya's early childhood. We also use her birth name in the segment because at the time of recording, we had no other name to use. Here at Food for Thought, we have nothing but love for Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union Wade, Zaire Wade, our girl Zaya, and the entire Wade family. Mm, I'm feeling full, but like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. Ooh. So we're going to end with dessert today and uh, Dennis is actually going to take it away. Um, okay, you guys, I have to, first of all, I have to be real and say as someone who does not follow the sports other than figure skating and gymnastics, <laughs> I fully did not know who Dwayne Wade was until Gabrielle Union married him. Okay. Um, so way. we're going to start there. Okay. And then I was like, listen, like, like Gabrielle Union is happy. She's found a wonderful man. Like, like, that alone made me a fan. The sexiest couple of all time. Very Incredibly sexy. sexy. And by the way, back in the day, she did talk about eating his ass, and I love that. Oh, I forgot about um, that. That was epic. So we stand Gabrielle Union, but when I'm here to talk to you today. Gabrielle about- Union, famous ass eater. Gabrielle, we stand you. Famous ass eater. But today I wanted to talk about Dwayne Wade. And the reason that I wanted to talk about Dwayne Wade is because Dwayne. He's 6'4. 
Okay, um, thank yes. you, Tommy. <laughs> that is Tommy. That is people, all Tommy cares about. You know, a lot of people out here listening to deeply reporterly podcasts that have like journalism and like narrative storytelling, <laughs> but we at Food for Thought are doing the hard work <laughs> of knowing the height. How tall is he? How tall Six is Dwayne? Wayne. Thank you. Um, I don't know why I thought he was tall. Anyway. This is this is what I wanted to talk about with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is is raising a queer black child. And um the thing that I love about this is that this is a conversation. Um, the idea that there are black families that love their queer black children that often gets overlooked in a lot of the sort of um sociopolitical sort of climate of of today. And so I think the fir- I think the first time that we sort of got a sense of this was earlier on in 2019 when they when Dwayne Wade shared a, a photo um, on Instagram, you know, sending his love and best wishes to Gabrielle and Zion, who were at Miami Pride. Um, mm. And Zion was wearing something that was like like a very sort of clearly genderqueer kind of look. And so, of course, like social media blew up and they were like, is Dwayne Wade's son gay? Is Dwayne Wade's son gay? And there was a lot of hate on social media. Um, and because people are the worst. Because people, people are, are the, the worst. Because people are the worst. And this is this is a young kid. I believe Zion is 12, 11 or 12. Um, but a lot of us know ourselves at that age, right? Like I knew who I was at that point, even though I wasn't out about it because I wasn't in a climate where I could be. Um, but since then, there have been a number of pictures that that they have just shared of their family on Instagram and people have constantly come for them in the comments. And every single time, Dwayne or Gabrielle has had the most incredible clap back. Mm-hmm. Um, and those have been amazing to see. So sort of, there was one where Dwayne Wade essentially said like, I'm not here to, there's a lot of stupidity out there, so I get it, but I'm not here to lead you. I'm here to lead this family. Mm-hmm. And like, that was a really incredible thing. And then um, maybe two months ago, there was an interview. Dwayne Wade did this incredible interview with two other basketball players and actually spent a good 10 minutes in the interview talking about how brave Zion is and how much he's learned so much mm. from this child. And he said in this sentence, um, he, ta- he talked about, um, you know, understanding with Zion's mother from a very young age that Zion wasn't on the same like boy stuff mm. that their older brother Zaire was mm-hmm. on and sort of beginning to work with himself even at that point like what am I going to do if my son co- comes home and tells me he's gay mm-hmm. now it's important to note that we don't know specifically in large part because the family feels like it's Zion's story to tell when Zion is ready if Zion is identifying um, as gay as as genderqueer as trans like we don't know the labels um, exactly but we do know that in that interview um, Dwayne Wade talked about you know, his child growing up into the woman that she is going to become. So that maybe gives us some kind of indication. But the fact that, like, Dwayne Wade was able to do this Mm. with two other professional basketball players in this sort of, like, space that he continually occupies that's often considered to be incredibly toxically masculine Mm -hmm. is, I think really affirming, really important. It's important that people know that like there are a lot of black families out there that love their their black children. And I also think this is an incredibly important conversation to have at this moment because um when Pete Buttigieg was really beginning to really climb in the polls and become an important potential contender for the Democratic presidential race. There was a lot of conversation specifically among white gay Twitter about the idea that the reason why Pete Buttigieg couldn't get black voters is because black people are homophobic. Oh, um, this, oh, is, wow. this, this is a constant narrative that's out there. Right, 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 right. Um, and I love that this family has the place that they have on social media because they're an incre- not that there aren't other antidotes to this as well, but they're an incredible antidote 
um, in potentially what could be sort of like the toughest of circumstances right. being in the public eye. That's just so infuriating. And I think too, it's not, it's like anything that isn't white. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, how, what was it like to grow up gay there? I All the time, wow. people ask me in interviews like, so what was it like growing up gay on an Indian reservation? And it was but, like, I had a great time. <laughs> like I didn't get bullied for being gay until I went to school outside the reservation. Right. Also, regardless of color, like if you're a journalist, never ask anybody what's it like to grow up gay anywhere, period. <laughs> Like we, it is 2020. The novelty of like being gay and publicly out like died in like what 2007. You know what I mean? Yes. Like just ask them a question about literally anything other than their identity. Ask them a question mm-hmm. about themselves. Yeah. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at iHeartRadio. Mm. Our producer can smell Joe shitting from 100 miles away, <laughs> Alexandra DePalma. All right. Our production manager puts the pro Where's in prolapse. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Oh Elizabeth D. Our social media manager is the fully stocked snack machine, Christina Tucker. <laughs> oh, yum. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, or I get a new sex injury. <laughs> oh, no, please no. I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H-U-I-T-E-E-B-S on all relevant social media. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co. on anything you want. I'm Dennis, and you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden, T-H-E-E-A-R-L-D-E-N-D-E-N. And I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. Find us on Instagram as Gay Slow to Read, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we're reading and some extra lectimal at foodforthoughtpodcast.com and finally send your questions, thoughts, concerns and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com as always that's food, the number four and thoughts spelled T-H-O-T Tommy, your voice went fully astral I know Hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 